As Blake said, the Lord knows everything that's going on in our hearts. He knows everything going on in our lives. People around us don't know. Sometimes we don't even understand what's going on inside us, but God knows. You may have reached a point where you don't see your way forward. You don't know how to go forward. You don't know how to change. You don't know how to meet the challenges that you're facing. Anything is possible for the person who learns how to pray. Because anything's possible for God if you learn how to pray, really pray, anything's possible. This morning I want us to talk about prayer. Prayer as Jesus taught it. Throughout the book of Matthew, he's talked again and again about faith. And in the passage we're about to read, we're going to see Jesus talking about the prayer of faith because it's important that we pray in faith. Sometimes people don't understand why, but it's really all about the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. When we pray in faith, we're treating God as God. There is no other God, only one, and we put our confidence in that God. Faith is treating God as God, recognizing God as the ruler over all things. So it's important when we pray that we pray in faith. There's a passage in Matthew chapter 21 where Jesus speaks to that. He is now entering Jerusalem. He's been traveling down from Galilee through Judea up until this point. Now he enters the city. The crowds are gathered around him. They're shouting, Hosanna to the coming king, the son of David. But in a week, some in those crowds will be crying out, crucify him. And Jesus will be crucified outside the gates of Jerusalem. But he is coming now. It's all reached a crucial point. And Jesus begins to demonstrate what God is about to do. First, by overturning the the tables in the temple, the money changers' tables. He's pronouncing judgment on the temple, this temple that was supposed to be a place of prayer for all the nations, but had become a den of thieves. And so like prophets of old, Jesus not only proclaims his message, but he demonstrates it by his actions. And then Matthew tells us he does it again, another demonstration when he sees a fig tree it's full of leaves as if, as if it has fruit, and yet there's no fruit on it. And so Jesus speaks the word, and the fig tree withers away. That fig tree stands for Israel. By that, I don't mean the Jewish people. I mean Israel, especially as represented by the religious establishment who controlled the temple and the worship there and controlled the religious life of the nation. They had the reputation for godliness, but not the reality. All sorts of leaves, but no fruit. And then it's from that incident that we read about prayer. You'll see the connection here. Let me read the passage. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. 
Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, the Greek verb there, diakrino, I'll have something to say about that in a moment. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. You read those verses and you think, surely we can't take this seriously. Anything you ask for in prayer, whatever it is, you can receive. And yet Jesus begins this teaching with the statement, truly I say to you, literally in Greek, amen, amen, which was a Semitic way of saying the words I'm about to speak are absolutely true and reliable. And so Jesus makes it plain that if you have faith and do not doubt, the impossible becomes possible. That's what moving mountains is all about. In his day and in ours, when we talk about moving mountains, we're talking about doing the impossible, doing what we didn't think could be done. Jesus says, if you have faith and do not doubt, you can command mountains to move. Whatever you ask for in prayer, you'll receive. That's an extraordinary promise, and it gives hope to anyone who's in depression or struggles with addiction or has a broken family or has no clarity about the way forward in their life. They don't know where to turn, what to do. They feel isolated. That's good news for such a person because Jesus says, whatever your need might be, you can bring that to God. God will hear, God will answer. What an extraordinary promise that is. But we have to ask some tough questions about this passage. We want to take it for what it says and believe everything that it says. At the same time, we need to be sure we understand it correctly because it can lead us far astray if we're not careful. I'm thinking here particularly this statement, whatever you ask for in prayer, isn't it the case that sometimes people do ask for things in prayer and believe that they'll receive them and then don't? What about that? What is Jesus promising here? He's obviously wanting to build up our faith and to encourage us to pray, but we have to be clear on what he means and what he doesn't mean. So let's start with this question. Does whatever mean absolutely everything? Well, the truth is, if it does mean absolutely everything, it's pretty hard to take the Lord seriously here. Because we do know people who have prayed and not received something, even though they really believe they would. This last week, uh, I was staying late at the office getting ready for some Bible studies that would be happening on Wednesday night. And my assistant, Letitia Dixon, she was late in the office as well. That's just the way she operates. She doesn't watch the clock. If there's a job to be done, she's going to do it. And I'll tell you what that means. That means Letitia's whole family is in because she drags them with her. She's going to stay, and sure enough, there was Scott, her husband. He was there to help her. And it's not just Scott. She has two sons, Connor and Logan, and 
they often get lassoed into helping as well. And that evening, there was Logan in the office. So Linda had put together a basket of just snacks that I was supposed to bring to the next staff meeting. But Logan's there in the office. I'm sure he doesn't really want to be there, but there he is because his mom is committed. So I took that basket. I said, here, Logan, take whatever you want. He looked at me like, anything? Yeah, anything, whatever you want. But of course, I meant anything in the basket. I didn't mean that he could, you know, get a forklift and take the copier out. I wasn't offering him my wallet. I had a basket. There were snacks. He could take anything he wanted. And, you know, the, the, he's, a, he's a smart kid. I mean, he took the best snack in that whole basket. He knew what he was looking for. So I used this universal language. Take whatever you want. But the context made it quite clear that I wasn't talking about everything. I was talking about what's in that basket. Now, if Jesus were a magician and he said, whatever you want, you can have, then I suppose it would include absolutely everything. At least I suspect it would. So if you want an $80,000 vehicle, you can have it. You want anything that, that strikes your fancy, you can have it. You can have these magical powers to satisfy your every desire. If Jesus were a magician, that's what it would mean. But he's not a magician. He's a prophet of God. He's more than a prophet, but he is a prophet, and he's speaking for God, and he's talking about not magic, but prayer. So it is always assumed, always. Everyone knows this. If they know anything about the Bible, it is always assumed when we're told, whatever you ask in prayer, you can have it. It's always assumed the prayer falls in line with God's character and God's purpose. We're coming to God and making a request of God. We're not going to ask him for something that is offensive to God. I can't pray that he would put a curse on my enemy. That's not pleasing to God. So I can't pray that and expect that he's going to do it. I also can't expect that God is going to throw overboard his purpose for the world, for me and for everyone else around me that he's just going to throw that overboard because I ask for something so he has to give it to me regardless that's not going to happen in prayer it is always assumed that God's character and God's purpose is takes priority now that's the basket within that basket I can ask for whatever I want there is within God's will space for me to influence God. What I ask really does make a difference. It's not like God's will is already figured out in all the details and your prayer really doesn't matter at all. It does matter. There is a spaciousness about the will of God so that when I ask God for something, if it's in keeping with his will, he'll do it. That's what Jesus is telling us. If, of course, I ask in faith. But it all has to begin with the will of God. Now, this is, this is not, this is no mystery. This is revealed in Scripture. I want you to see what John said, 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, 
we know that we have what we asked of him. That really carries the same idea of Matthew chapter 21. If we know God's will, then we can ask whatever within God's will, and we can know. Have faith, in other words. Faith without doubt. We can know that we will receive what we ask. So the question is, how can we know that we're praying according to the will of God? That's the key, isn't it? How do we know what God wants, what fits within his purposes and plans? The short answer to that is our prayers have to be rooted in the word of God. God has to speak in some way to let us know what his will is. So you take Abraham. He's called the father of faith. Abraham had the kind of faith Jesus talked about in Matthew 21, a faith that could move mountains. We know this because he had faith for the impossible. God comes to him and says, you and your wife Sarah will have a son. Well, they're past the age when they can have children. But God promised and Abraham believed. Now look what it says in Romans. He did not waver. See, it's the same word, diacrino, that we saw in that Matthew 21 passage. Jesus said, if you have faith and not doubt, here, Abraham believed and did not doubt. He did not waver. Diacrino is an interesting word because it means to discriminate. So when you're trying to make a decision, you have to look at all the facts and you have to discern the best decision to make. You have to discriminate among the different options. The word can also be used in an argument that two people have. You ever have arguments with people? Maybe arguments in your family, maybe political arguments. You go back and forth. There's give and take. So Diacrino can mean a debate or a dispute. But sometimes that debate enters into your own head and you find yourself going back and forth in your own thoughts. Oh, yes, I, I can trust God's promises. I can trust God. I'm going to believe God for this. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem possible. Oh, but, but God does do the impossible. I, I can believe God for that. Yeah, but then remember my friend who believed God and it didn't turn out so well for him. You go back and forth, you back and forth. What you're doing is you're wavering. And what Paul tells us about Abraham, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Was it impossible? Of course it was impossible. But faith can move mountains. So he did not waver. He did not doubt. He put his faith in God because God is God. And because he put his faith in the promise of God, he received. He received from God what was promised. So he's an example of faith. Now, you notice his faith is founded on God's word, God's promise. But it's a promise that came directly to him. God spoke to Abraham himself and said, 
you and Sarah are going to have a son. Thankfully, God doesn't speak to all parents who are, shall we say, past childbearing age and say, you are going to have a child. Linda just got back from taking care of three of our six grandchildren. She came back exhausted. I'm not looking for another kid to show up all of a sudden. This was a promise made to Abraham. But it was a word directly spoken to him, but it was God's word. That's the key. It was God's word, God's promise. So Abraham believed it, and it was so. There are times when the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and it is a word from God, and your faith can be founded on that word. You can believe God for what he told you. You can believe it. You can stand firm on that, and you can ask God to make it so, and God will make it so, just as he did for Abraham. It's not a promise for everybody. It's a promise for you, given by God as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. The only difficulty there is discerning whether it really was the Holy Spirit. Just because you have a strong thought that appears out of nowhere doesn't mean it's the Holy Spirit. Just because it feels really spiritual doesn't mean it's the Holy Spirit. There's no way you can know it's the Holy Spirit except in an ongoing relationship with God where you've learned to recognize his voice. And even then, you need to be very conscious, very discerning. But it is true that there are times when God's word may come to you that way. We need to be open to that. But most of the time, if we're going to pray in faith, which means pray what is according to the will of God, we will find that will in the Scriptures. Most of the time, that's where we're going to find it. We have to go to the Scriptures, and there we will see what it is that God intends for us. Now, in the Scriptures, the promises are rich, full. They provide for every, every possible situation in life, but they are general. You're wondering about whether you should take one job or another or, you know, whether God will, will heal your brother or sister or parent or child. I mean, you're praying about that, but there, you're not going to find any Scripture that speaks directly to that. The Scriptures are general. They do speak to our needs, but, but we can't just make them say what we want them to say. There are some people who, who try. There's a scripture, one of the Psalms says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And some people treat that as a fill-in-the-blank verse. Oh, the desires of my heart. I want this and this and this and this and this. And that's not what that scripture's about. That scripture's about seeking God. And if you seek God, he'll give you himself and all that properly belongs to us when we have a relationship with God. But see, people try to make the Bible say all kinds of things. The thing that we, we have to face is that the Bible makes promises that speak to every situation we're in, but 
it won't necessarily tell us exactly what God's will is. I mean, specifically what God's will is. But we can still claim that promise. It may mean we've got to trust God in exactly the way he answers the promise and, and, or, or fulfills the promise. But that's where we stand. If we're going to have faith, faith that Jesus talked about, miracle-working faith, mountain-moving faith, it needs to be rooted in the Scriptures. And so, it's important for all of us to be strong in the Scriptures, to really know the Scriptures. I don't mean that you know Hebrew and Greek and that you study theology or something like that. I mean that you live in the Scriptures, that you prayerfully are reading the Scriptures and you're drawing your life from them and you're basing your life on what they say. And your prayers emerge out of that. When that happens, you can take it to the bank. I mean, you can pray that promise. So it might be some promise that God will give you strength. And you don't know exactly how that's going to play out, but you know you need strength and you can pray for it and you can know that God will give you what you need. There's a promise in James about wisdom. If you need wisdom, you can ask God for wisdom. You have to ask in faith without doubting, says James. You have to ask in faith without doubting. But if you do, you'll have wisdom, and God will give you wisdom. That's absolutely certain. So our faith has to be founded on the Word of God. The Word of God might be a word spoken directly to us, but almost always it's going to be a word from Scripture, a general promise, but one we can be absolutely confident in. So what about when you have a situation where you're praying about something in particular, very specific, and you don't have a specific promise in the Bible for it, and you haven't sensed the Lord is speaking to you in a particular way? How are you supposed to pray about that? Or to put it differently, if you don't have a word that you can just claim for what you're wanting, can you still pray for it in faith? And the answer is yes, but it's a different kind of faith. It's a different kind of faith. It's not faith that, yes, God will do this because he's promised it. You don't know that. You can ask God for anything you want. You can bring to him whatever it is that you want. But you have to know that he might say no. He might say no. He did to Paul Paul had this thorn in the flesh, he called it. He doesn't tell us what it was. All we know is this thorn was painful in his life. He calls it a messenger of Satan. And so he prayed three times for God to take it away, and the word he got back was no. No. Why not? Because power is made great in weakness. And the Lord told Paul that through this, I'm going to make you strong in spirit. And Paul said, that's good enough for me. So the Lord said no. In a sense, though, he actually said yes, because Paul's deepest desire was to be everything God wanted him to be. So even though he was asking for the thorn to be taken away, when God said no, that was fine because he wanted to be what God wanted him to be. And God was working that in his life. 
So you can come to God with faith, faith that God is a good God, that God hears, that God cares, that God will answer according to his wisdom, purpose, plan, all the rest. God will answer. But if you don't have a promise in the word of God, you are asking, but you may not be getting. And even if you get, it may not be in the form that you expected, and it may not be according to your timetable. That's just the way it is. The reason a lot of us have trouble believing and having faith in prayer is because we have such a nebulous idea of what it is to have faith. We just, we just cover everything. And we think every prayer ought to be answered if we pray in faith, and that's not so. There's a smaller subset of prayers that are grounded in the promise of God that you can be certain God will answer if you pray in faith without doubting. But then there's a wider realm of prayer where you ask because you have confidence in God. You have that kind of faith. But you know it may not happen just like you ask. That's okay. That's okay. God will see you through. So this is a challenge for all of us, I think, to pray, to learn to pray, to begin to pray as we haven't before. That's what Jesus intends for it here to be. He wants us to know that God hears and God answers. There is nothing in your life that can't be overcome through prayer. There's no mountain that can't be moved through prayer. There's no flaw in you that can't be healed. No, no twist in your character that can't be straightened out through prayer. You need to seek God as God in faith, in other words. But root your prayer in Scripture. There's a whole Bible in your hand. Well, there's a phone in your hand, and there's a whole Bible in that phone. <laughs> a whole Bible. What is it? Most Bibles, 1,200 pages. 1,200 pages right there for the Christian to devour, to take to heart and live out of. If we don't, we won't have faith. We won't see mountains move. If we do, if we do, everything's possible. Pray with me. Lord, you know us, each of us. You know the needs that we have, the troubles that we face, the problems. Lord, there are opportunities we hope to seize. All of life, Lord, is an opportunity and a challenge. And we know that you've called us to live this life for you. And we need you, Lord. We need you. We need you. So we pray that you would help us to follow these words of Jesus, to follow him into a life of faith-filled prayer. Lord, teach us your will. Help us to hear you speak when you speak. Help us, Lord to devour the scriptures that we might know what is freely promised to us. And Lord, may you, through faith, 
our faith that you give us, may you transform our lives and change our destiny. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.